Well, I'm not sure if I'm more impressed with uh, the children's message, which uh, is probably the children's message of the year, Burger King, uh, or Joel, who correctly identified King Ivan from a portrait of him, uh, but that was wonderful. Uh, happy Christ the King Sunday to all of you, and as we begin, would you join me in a word of prayer? Oh, Lord, may the words of my mouth, and may the thoughts and the meditations of all our hearts pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I want to begin uh, by pointing out uh, one of the verses you just heard, and uh, then asking a question about it. And the verse is this, uh, John 18, 37. It's about halfway through uh, today's gospel reading. Uh, Jesus has just been arrested uh, by the Jewish religious leaders and then interrogated by them. And now Jesus stands in front of Pilate, uh, the Roman governor, and the representative of Emperor Tiberius Caesar in this place. And Jesus says to this man, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom, Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. And here's the question. What would it look like if it was? I mean, how would this scene, how would Jesus' ministry, how would our world and history and current events, how would our lives and our future, how would it all look different if Jesus' kingdom were of this world? So that's a question I want you to ponder as uh, we meditate on this passage and consider the significance of this Sunday, a Sunday that many Christians are celebrating all around the world, a Sunday that has been given the name Christ the King Sunday. I mean, how would things look different if Christ our King, if His kingdom were of this world? I want to take you uh, to two places as uh, we answer that question. The first of those places is the passage you just heard. You see, it's Thursday of Holy Week. Uh, Jesus and his disciples have just celebrated the Passover, and now he's beginning to teach them about everything that's about to happen, and that conversation begins in the upper room, and it concludes in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it's there in the late hours of Thursday night, or perhaps by this point, in the early hours of Friday morning, that Jesus is arrested. You see, uh, Judas has betrayed him to the Jewish religious leaders, and they have sent a detachment of soldiers to come and get him, and they bring him from the Garden of Gethsemane uh, to the home of the high priest, uh, where Jesus is interrogated and where Jesus is charged, and then they take him from the home of the high priest to the home or the palace of Pilate, uh, who can execute those charges, who can sentence Jesus to death. You see, uh, the Jewish religious leaders can't announce a sentence. Pilate, the Roman governor, the representative of Emperor Tiberius Caesar, he has that power. And it's here uh, that the passage you just heard took place. And as the scene opens, uh, there are two important things I want you to notice. See, first, uh, Pilate's palace uh, may be in Jerusalem, uh, but this isn't the place that Pilate normally lives. 
See, he lives in a place called Caesarea Martima, the real, or at least the Roman capital of the Judean province, about 75 miles north along the Mediterranean coast. And the only reason that Pilate is in Jerusalem is because it's Passover. The Jews are celebrating their deliverance from a foreign oppressor, not Rome, but someone who oppressed them like Rome. And it's Pilate's job to flex some imperial muscle and make sure that things don't get out of hand when they celebrate the Passover. And so Pilate isn't from Jerusalem. It's the first thing I want you to notice. Uh, the second thing is this. When John tells us just before this passage that Jesus arrives early in the morning, that's more like the middle of the night for us. Uh, now, it's hard for us to pinpoint exactly, uh, but the word that John uses for early in the morning refers to the fourth watch, a time that would have occurred roughly between three and six in the morning. And when I hear this detail, it makes me wonder, is Pilate, a Pilate who's essentially on a business trip to Jerusalem, is Pilate asleep when Jesus arrives? I mean, does, does he first see him, Jesus? Does he first behold him with sleepy, tired, groggy eyes? And you know, all we can do is speculate, but it certainly colors the way in which I hear Pilate's question. Jesus, Jesus, are you king of the Jews? And, and what I imagine he's thinking is something like, this isn't the way that I would learn about something like this. You know, roused from bed in the middle of the night, only to discover uh, that someone I don't even know has been betrayed by their friends, denied by their people, and then given the title of king. I mean, you got to be kidding me. And so if we asked Pilate the question, what would it look like if Jesus' kingdom were of this world, I think Pilate would tell us something like, it'd look a little bit more obvious than this. You know, our circumstances are uh, far different from Pilate's. I'm willing to bet that there are at least a few of us, myself included, who have at least at one time or another uh, wished that this were the case, that Jesus' kingdom that his rule and reign, that the way that he works in this world seemed a little bit more obvious. You know, it's not to say that we don't believe. Uh, it's just to say that when our faith is under stress, when uh, a loved one dies, uh, when a diagnosis comes, uh, when you endure a year and a half of a pandemic, or, or when Jesus says, do this, and the world says, do that, there's a little part of us that might just wish that it seemed a little bit more obvious. Yeah, the temptation we face uh, is the temptation to look at Jesus like Pilate, to think that uh, it's got to be obvious if it's going to be true when the reality is there is nothing obvious about what Jesus does. I mean, our king, our king is going to give his life so that people like me and people like you 
And people like Pilate, who are eventually going to reject him, our king gives his life so that we might have a place with him forever. You see, just because it isn't obvious doesn't mean that it isn't true. And that's what our king shows us three days later when he rises from an empty tomb. And so what would it look like if Jesus' kingdom were of this world? I think Pilate gives us one answer. That answer is something like Jesus' kingdom might just seem a little bit more obvious. But that answer, that answer isn't necessarily good news for people like us. Nice. He brings us uh, to the second place. Uh, I want to take you as we explore this question. What would it look like if Jesus' kingdom were of this world? And that place moves us from this conversation uh, between Pilate and Jesus uh, to the story of another man uh, that happens about a century later. And, and the history of Jerusalem and Judea and the Jewish people that brings us there is really important. See, about four decades after this conversation between Pilate and Jesus, uh, in the year 70 AD and in the wake of the great Jewish revolt, uh, the Romans siege the city of Jerusalem. I mean, buildings are burned, uh, people are, are killed, and the temple, the temple is utterly destroyed. You know, that's not bad enough. Uh, about 60 years after that event, uh, or a century after this conversation between Pilate and Jesus, uh, the Romans begin to rebuild the city. But they don't just rebuild the city as a Jewish city, they rebuild the city as a Roman city with plans to erect a temple to the Roman god of Jupiter on the Temple Mount, the place where God's holy house once stood. As you can probably imagine, uh, it's more than most Jews a century after this conversation with Pilate can take. And that leads us to the story of another man, a man by the name of Simon bar Kochba. And if you want to know uh, what the Jewish answer to the question, what would it look like if Jesus' kingdom were of this world, you need to look no further than this man. See, in the year 132 AD, Simon bar Kochba leads a revolt against a Roman garrison in the province of Judea. And while revolts like this had been held before, the significant detail about Simon bar Kochba's revolt is that it's actually successful. See, uh, he destroys a stronghold and defeats all the soldiers there. Not only that, he holds that stronghold and, and the region around it long enough so that Jews all around the world can return to the Holy Land and join in his resistance. And for the better part of the next three years, Simon bar Kochba and his army of 200,000 Jewish insurgents rule the Holy Land. You know, it's uh, for this reason that many Jews, uh, far more than in Jesus' day, uh, begin to believe that Simon bar Kochba is actually the Messiah. I mean, the, the Jerusalem Talmud records one rabbi saying that this man, Simon bar Kochba, is the King Messiah. And so what would it look like uh, if Jesus' kingdom were of this world? Well, if you asked a group of Jews in Jesus' day, uh, or a group of Jews a century later, uh, they'd probably paint the picture of someone like Simon. 
Someone with strength and power. Someone who, who leads an army and defeats an enemy. Someone who destroys everyone who gets in his way. You know, for just a moment, uh, if you set aside the fact that uh, Simon's rule only lasts three years and that he is uh, eventually hunted down and killed by the Romans and eventually put to death, there's a little part of me, you know, maybe there's even a little part of you uh, that wishes that Jesus' kingdom looked a little bit more like this. You know, it's not to say that, uh, that I want to sign up for all the violence or bloodshed, and uh, it's not to say that I want to forgo uh, walking the extra mile or turning the other cheek or loving my enemies, but it is to say uh, that there are times in my life that I wish that those things were the exception and not the rule. Other uh, times in my life where I wish that Jesus' power were shown in strength and not in weakness. And there are times in my life that I wish that Jesus would look at all of the sin, all of the pain, all of the hurt, all of the brokenness, all of the injustice, and all of the wrongs in our world and stop putting up with them. The problem is, he'd also have to stop putting up with me. And he'd also have to stop putting up with you. And so what would it look like if Jesus' kingdom were of this world? Well, it looked like the kind of kingdom that doesn't have a place for people like us. And that, you see, is why Jesus' kingdom isn't of this world. Now, John records, Jesus says, Jesus' kingdom is from another place. The kind of place where love and mercy and forgiveness, they rule and they reign. They determine the outcome, and they decide the future. Not Pilate, not Simon Barkach, but just Jesus. Jesus who gives his life on our behalf so that we, we who do not deserve it, might belong to him and have a place in his kingdom forever. Amen. And I may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus.